And good morning to you. Welcome to the show. The Back Nine Boys Golf Show is brought to you by Bridgestone Golf. Play the ball that fits you by Palms Resort featuring the Miracle Practice Facility for members. By Mizuno Golf, Reach Beyond. By RSM, proud sponsor of the RSM Classic, giving back to our communities. And by Club Car, the global leader in golf, utility and fun personal vehicles. On the show, we're going to talk with Ping's Golf's Scott Koss about the 425 series and how the Solheim Cup got started. Then we'll talk with Davis Thompson, UGA grad who played in several PGA and Corn Ferry events after graduation. And we'll talk about the big difference between college and professional golf and what his plans are for this upcoming season. Then we'll talk with former Matt Kuchar caddy for about five years, John Wood, about carrying a bag and then going to carrying a mic for NBC and about the Ryder Cup, which is coming up. But first up is Scott Koss of Ping. Morning, Scott, and welcome to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Good morning, Rich. Thank you for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. Always enjoy the show. Well, I enjoy having you on because Ping has always got some updates. And tell us about what some of the updates are. Well, it's kind of an exciting time, although um, we've had our struggles with supply, you know, from overseas and shutdowns. But the positive side is we are still getting product. And uh, with that, we're launching a new um, I-59 uh, iron this, this month, and along with the new Glide Forge Pro. So, in addition to some exciting, uh, you know, times right now we have in golf with the growth of the game, uh, the new products coming out we're very excited about, and uh, especially starting off with the I-59 having two tour wins already. So pretty exciting news. And those were with Harris English? Yes. Yes. Johannes uh, Veerman. He, uh, both of them, uh, not, I'm sorry, not Harris, uh, Victor Havla. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Both of those guys won with the uh, I-59s. Okay. And what's the big difference between the I-59s um, that you have now and the 425s? Well, the, the I-59 is actually a, a completely different iron. It's a blade series. And okay. it really looks more like the blueprint that Harris English plays. Uh, the blueprint is, you know, our forged blade, solid, very small, very compact, uh, tour player style club. The I-59 is actually hollowed out. Uh, body, which we moved, you know, 62 grams of weight outward, and then uh, by putting in a, a what we call Lumicore insert, we don't want the face to flex like a, you know, distance club like our 500 series was. Right. So we put the Lumicore in there to reduce that deflection. However, what the customer gets is a, a very good-looking, small, compact blade iron that is extremely forgiving like our 210 iron. So... Well, Scott, would that be for better players? I mean, like lower handicaps? You know, Rich, what it's doing is it's allowing someone like, um, you know, someone who might be a three, five, seven handicap, you know, we can creep up a little bit, um, get into something that's, you know, a smaller compact they love the looks of and have always wanted to play, but maybe they don't play a golf as often. <clears throat> maybe they're not up the course, you know, you know, a couple times a week, but it allows them to get in that blade-style club, the smaller-style but also be very straight. And uh, I, I saw Michael Thompson, and this was before we knew it was hollowed out uh, or, or an open cavity, that I talked to you know Michael Thompson. He actually said he hit it uh, much straighter. In his opinion, it was three to five yards dispersion when he misses it versus a five to seven with the blueprint. And that was comforting to know that how forgiving that I-59 is. So yeah. we're going to reach out to the 
you know, more in the seven handicaps, maybe maybe even nine. It all depends on their swing, of course, and how it matches up. But we feel very comfortable that we made this <clears throat> almost like a breakthrough in, in blade irons, and it still has a very soft feel. Well, tell us uh, about the 425 series. Um, I see a lot of uh, guys at the golf course uh, playing pings, uh, either the 410, but now seeing a lot of the 425s. You know, and it's interesting, Rich, because we had a big, I think a big leap was with the G400 driver uh, years ago when, when um, when, uh, you know, Patrick Reed won the Masters, was a big leap into the drivers, and we had much more tour players looking at the driver. And then we went to the 410, which was adjustable. Now the 425, which has extremely forgiving. So you have a lot of forgiveness, which tour players really like. They know their distance is going to be good. Right. Now they're going to hit a lot of fairways. So... The 425, um, which we actually won the driver count at the Masters this year. We won the driver count at the top, the Tour Championship in the top 30 with nine drivers in play. Uh, we also won the iron count at seven iron sets. And what we're doing is um, it, it's such a straight driver that we're finding not only, you know, the amateurs who want forgiveness and hit fairways, and they're getting great distance with it. We're finding tour players are gravitating toward it hmm. because it has, you know, some adjustability to it We can fine-tune your all flights and uh, in, in many different directions. So the 425, you've got hybrids, and I know a lot of people when they're starting to play or when they've been playing for a long time, as they get older, uh, some of the hybrids come more into play. So from a hybrid standpoint, how many different kinds as far as lofts do you have in the 425 line? Well, the, the 425, we expanded and added a seven hybrid this year at 34 degrees, uh, starting out at a 17 degree two. So anywhere from a two-iron you know, two replacement to a seven-iron replacement, you can get the uh, new hybrid, you know, the 425, which, has, which features, you know, face wrap technology, which makes it really kind of hot all over the face, and we're getting great distance. And as we always do with paying, you know, the weight all the way back, we're getting great accuracy. So it's really boosted, you know, leaps and bounds from the 410 even. And uh, the feedback is absolutely fantastic. D- does it really excites you to see these new innovations come out. I know the, the research has been done two years ago, but here you come out with a 400. You had a lot of success with that, the 410, a lot of success, and then the 425, and it's like, oh my gosh, research is just so far ahead. Don't you wish you could do it more often as far as producing new product? You know, it's funny because every day, you know, I, I visit accounts and we talked golf and technology, and just yesterday I was at an account. We were discussing the same thing, and their question is, well, how much more can you do? Right. And it, it always, you know, and that's the question, you know, everybody says, well, by now I'd be hitting a driver 842 yards if, you know, it does what they say. Well, some years you get leaps and bounds, and some years there are small changes. You know, it's like vehicles. Vehicles don't go from, you know, a, a carbureted gas engine to a, a, you know, lithium battery electric car. You right. can make little changes every year. And those little changes are nice, and they're, they're good. It doesn't mean that, you know, the world changed. But technology is still, you can always go with materials, you know, forgiveness. And, and there's so many ways to do it. And that's why even taking material and doing the space wrap on the, you know, fairways and hybrids, it made a change. It made a change in ball speed and forgiveness and reducing, you know, the hot spot, so to speak, and, and spreading it out. So all those little things add up over time. And that's where you do see a lot of changes. Right. And we as a company always change. You know, our motto is play your best because we want the average golfer to simply play the best they, they can to their ability. 
and have fun on the weekends and go home in a good mood. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt to have uh, some of your uh, PGA pros on the LPGA Champions Tour and especially the PGA uh, doing well in tournaments, winning, being in the playoffs, and now being in the Ryder Cup. That doesn't hurt at all. No, in fact, I was up in Moultrie, Georgia Thursday and, and to see you know Harris's hometown and the, the excitement there is, is unbelievable to see that he made the Ryder Cup. Yeah. How happy they are for him and it, it, it just, it really is, you know, between technology, player, good players, and we feel like at Payne we have some, you know, our tour players are the best. They they are down, you know, just they're good people down home, you know, usually family people that, you know, they're just so easy to work with and they're so good and they promote the product. And to have Tony, you know, Finau and, and Harris English in the Ryder Cup is, is just a thrill. It's just a, a compliment to who they are. You bet. So what have been some of the challenges for Ping over the last 18 months? You kind of alluded to it in the beginning of the interview, but what are some of the challenges and what are you going to do to try and get over those? Well, the challenges, you know, the biggest thing is when you have, we're a private company, family owned, you know, 62 going on 63 years. Right. And when you're a small company, you know, we were playing in a big fish game. It's, it's difficult sometimes to um, try not to get caught up in, in, you know, the heyday of, you know, of trying to compete too much. And we have been blessed that we've had a good product over the years. We keep to our foundation and that we have engineers who design and the technology back home is, is incredible. We even just got into a, a, an app called Ballnamic, which you go on there and you put in your information and it actually tells you what ball, you know, is the best ball fit for you. And we're unbiased. We don't have a ball. Hmm. So, Right. The challenges we face right now, and especially the G425, you know, it, it's not so much the supply. The demand has been overwhelming. Right. And that's a big compliment. And, you know, when you go through, you know, times like this where you have a pandemic and you have shutdowns, limited, more, you know, searches at, at ports, you know, ships can't get in. And when you have the demand, you have the other side. We're, we're really blessed to have this demand. Right. You know, golfers, you know, we're, we're what, 25 over 25 million now in golfers again because of the pandemic we were down to 23 million and the fact being that there's you know two million more golfers in the game you know it adds to that demand and sure really we're blessed that we have demand with such a great product you know our challenge is trying to get enough product to to ship it to people and it's right. very difficult to explain to them and show them pictures of 40 ships waiting to get into ports right or a ship that hits seas 52 foot seas and containers fall over. You can only say so much, but you know our challenge is to get back to the norm, to get product shipping again, so we can get it in the hands of, of the golfers out there. Yeah, and we've only got about a minute left. When did the Solheim Cup start, and why did Ping get involved in that? You know, that was something that Karsten cared about many, many years ago with women's golf. And if you look, he's always had, um, you know, he's always been close to women. He even hosted the tournament back you know, Moon Valley Country Club in Phoenix, Arizona, um, where, you know, I was fortunate enough to grow up. And what what Carson did is he put, you know, with Louise, um, he actually, you know, put so much investment in there that, you know, he just loved women's golf. And so he right. invested in that. And it was back in 1990 that he started the Cup, and it's been, you know, the Ryder Cup of the women's golf uh, from both sides, from Europe and the U.S. Right. And it really, it, you know, centered from Carson just with passion into the LPGA. 
and, and that still holds true with back in Phoenix, and, and they're maintaining that. And Michaela uh, Wilson, formerly Freebird, is running that uh, running the tournament for John, and she does a fantastic job. Yeah, it's a, it was fun to watch. Um, sorry, U.S. didn't win, but you know we've it'll be back, and we'll keep building and keep trying. Scott, we can't thank you enough for being with us. Uh, thank you, and appreciates all the all the updates, and uh, hope you have a great day. Rich, I appreciate you having me on. It's always a pleasure. Thank you very much. Scott Koss with Ping. Always a pleasure to have him on. And next up is former UGA grad and now PGA pro, Davis Thompson. But first, we're going to talk about deep dish. What does that mean? It only means CJ's Italian restaurant across from Mallory Street, right there on uh, Mallory Street across from Parker's. And they're known for their deep dish, but they're also known for their thin crust and their cauliflower crust. So go in and ask and order and help them out. They're uh, just great food, unbelievable, and great service. Graham and Ada do a great job. Check out their full menu at cjsitalianrestaurant.com. Hey, this is Jim Furyk from the PGA Tour, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're glad that you're with us. Next guest is Davis Thompson, former UGA golfer, now a PGA pro. Good morning, Davis, and uh, thanks for uh, coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You hear me all right? I hear you great. Um, you had a couple of exemptions while you were at UGA for the RSM, and you did pretty well. Now you're out of college. How has it been for you since you're out of college uh, playing on the tours? Uh, yeah, it's definitely been a learning curve. Um, just trying to figure out how to travel on my own and prepare the best I can for each tournament. Um, with college, you usually get one practice round and you're, and you're playing the next day. And just trying to figure out, you know, how to manage my time well and use those three preparation days to get myself ready for tournaments. And um, you know, I just had a lot of great experiences this summer to build on. Well, you had a, a, a great year, I think, anyway. You averaged 328 yards off the tee. You were 71% greens and regulation. I mean, that's pretty good golf. Um, four birdies around. So what are you going to be working on now for the start of the next season? Um, I think just kind of some things mentally, honestly. Um, just learning how to stay patient, learning how to you know, manage my golf ball better. Um, and just taking the safe play as opposed to maybe firing a few more flags than I probably shouldn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think just uh, I know kind of like everybody on the tour, just trying to turn some 72s into 70s and 70s into 68s and just trying to save a few shots here and there. And I think that comes with short game and uh, just managing my golf ball better. Did you find that uh... – coming out of college, um, sometimes even in college, that you could play sometimes too aggressive? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think you have to play smartly aggressive. You have to kind of take your chances when you're comfortable and when, when things kind of set up for that. But, um, you know, some shots just don't suit your eye better, so it's better to just hit it at the middle of the green and take your par, especially on a tougher golf hole as yeah. opposed to – as opposed to taking on the flag and, you know, potentially bringing bogey or double into play. Yeah. So you're on the PGA Tour. You've worked with a couple of different caddies. What does this season look like, and how are you working, or have you already chosen a caddy for this year? Um, I have not, no. So I'm just going to try and figure that out within the next few weeks. Um, 
I'm gonna try and get a few more sponsor invites this fall, and then I have um, the final stage of Q School for Corn Ferry Tour in November. So I'll just be getting ready for that and playing in a few tournaments before that. So how do you go about trying to find a caddy? Are you looking for somebody who's had PGA Tour experience, Corn Ferry experience? Um, I know some guys have gone to their best friend or their college roommate, uh, but sometimes at this stage you need somebody with experience. So is that what you're looking to do is find someone like that? Yeah, um, I think it would give me comfort having a guy with experience right. knowing the golf courses. And, um, yeah, I definitely think the caddy part is, is a huge, uh, very underrated part of, you know, your your golf. And um, you know, I think my agent will help me out with that. And um, going forward, we will uh, we'll pick the right one and we'll get it dialed in for next year. So you and Jeremy are probably going to sit down, go through a list of caddies, pluses, minuses, and then you guys will probably go through an interview process before you make a final choice. Yeah, something like that. Or, um, you know, they can uh, come down to St. Simons. We can just go play golf and hang out, just kind of figure out, um, you know, per personalities are similar or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, just kind of like you said, we'll kind of sit down talk about a few names and pros and cons and uh, just pick out the right one. Yeah, I know when I talked to Paul DeSori and I asked him, you know, several years ago when he and Webb got together, uh, basically it was a phone call and Webb said that it seemed like Paul was interviewing him and then they decided to work together. Um, so you never know what may click, but it is a pretty important decision for you and coming up on the next year. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, you know, the caddies have to not only get yardages, but um, know how to talk to their player and put their player in the right situation. And I know your dad has caddied for you before, including at the U.S. Open where you took the first round lead. Uh, how is that? It, it had to be a cool experience for him, but also for you, some comfort knowing that your dad was on the bag. Yeah, it was great. Um, my dad, whenever he's caddied for me, he he knows me better than anybody, so he knows, you know, when I'm when I'm mad and when I'm happy, and you know the right things to say to me. So it, it was great, and um, obviously it was pretty cool sharing that moment with him. And um, yeah, I mean it was it was pretty cool in the first round, just kind of taking it all in. Yeah, it was a pretty great first round. I mean, you, you led, and then you had a tough second day, but uh, that's golf, and sometimes those things happen. Uh, how did that affect you? Were you down, or were you kind of, well, I had a good day, and I had a bad day? Yeah, I think as a competitor, I was pretty down on myself. Um, it, was, it was just different, and um, I've never really played in, in – that kind of moment before and um, obviously I learned a lot and I tried to take what I learned and applied it to future tournaments um, this past year and obviously and into the future but um, you know with, with me I was I kind of proved that I could play with those guys and then it was just very disappointing to play that way the second day but um, I mean like you said it's golf I understand it happens but um, you know just as a competitor it was it's very frustrating yeah. after Friday. Well, that's kind of golf. Unfortunately, sometimes you everything goes in, and the next day nothing goes in, and it just can be like that. Um, what's the biggest difference from college golf to pro golf? 
besides now having to worry about your travel plans, where you're going to stay, what tournaments you're going to get in. I mean, there's a lot of things still ahead for you in order to figure out kind of a game plan for the rest of this year. Yeah, I just think competition-wise, all the guys out there, they know how to prepare and they know what works best for them. Um, and I think that that's just a competitive advantage because they know how to manage their time. They know what, what they need to work on. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a long season. It's a, it's a tough season. I mean, play play close to 20 events every year. And right. guys are playing in the summer and it's hot. And guys, are, guys know how to conserve their energy and, and, and play their best golf at the right times. And I think that's, that's an art and that's something that I'm trying to figure out right now. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, you've got a sponsor. Nike is your sponsor. Congratulations on that. Did that give you some validation that you got a sponsor like Nike? Yeah, it did. Um, obviously, I've kind of always had a great relationship with Nike. They, Georgia was a Nike school. I wore Nike gear when I was a junior golfer, so I've always kind of had that relationship. So it was cool to kind of see it come full circle and um, – yeah, I mean, to have them believe in me and have me as one of their players, I was very excited um, to, to join. All right, got to ask this question because somebody asked me this a couple of weeks ago. So Nike is your sponsor. Do they pick out your outfits and send you the outfits for the tournament, or do you do it? Um, I do it. So they just kind of send me a bunch of shirts, pants, hats, pullovers, whatever, and I, okay. I kind of pick out. The only, the only time Nike really scripts outfits is for the majors. Um, okay. They'll do that for their players. I saw one of your quotes on your website that said, take the positives and then learn from the negatives. Explain that. Um, well, I mean, I, learn from the negatives is basically don't throw a pity party and, you know, Saul can figure out, you know, you know, I should have done this, I should have done that. Well, Let's take those negatives and turn them into positives and, and try to be better next time. And obviously, I think you just take the positives and keep expanding on those. And, you know, the negatives, kind of like I said, just um, just take a step back, reflect, and, and figure out, you know, how you can turn those into positives and how you can, uh, how you can learn from them. So you said you've got the Corn Ferry Finals coming up. When will you and your team kind of sit down – Will it be prior to that or after that, depending upon how you do? Will you guys plan for the next season? Um, we'll, we'll probably do that after. Um, now I'm hoping to play in a few events before that, so um, things could change, and you know, it just kind of figures out. It just kind of depends on how I play, and um, but yeah, I, I think we'll kind of sit down in probably December and 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 uh, and get a good plan going forward to playing events and um, you know, just figure out my schedule. How cool was it to shoot 63 at your uh, opening round of the Rocket Mortgage? I mean, that just had to be, it just probably felt incredible. And like, man, it's just cool to be here and shoot a 63 in a PGA Tour event. Yeah, it did. Um, I missed the cut the previous week, so I kind of I got, I got there Sunday and did some practicing and felt like I really prepared well for the tournament. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I knew I was 
I mean, I was playing fine. I just didn't really put any, anything together the previous week. And then, um, you know, everything went in the first day and it, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was, I was rolling, I was playing well. And then we had a rain delay. So I just didn't even look at my phone. I just turned it off and, um, yeah. just, just focused on uh, getting back out there and, um, was eventually able to do that. And then, uh, able to finish well so it's all good what do you do davis when you're not playing golf how do you relax yeah um i've kind of tried to figure that out because you know in college my i guess my other hobby was you know doing schoolwork and, and keeping up with uh, my grades and classes and, and now um thankfully I, I don't have any classes left so right um yeah i mean i'm trying to figure out how to how to manage my time and um, get away from it. Um, we, we've got a puppy in the house, so I've been hanging out with her, playing with her. Um, Is that Betty? Yep, it's yep. Betty. I like, I Black Black. see Betty every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's a good one. But, uh, yeah, my parents keep telling me I need to find a hobby, so I'm kind of working on that right now. <laughs> could be dog training. You never know. <laughs> yeah, could be. Could Davis, be. thanks for being with us on a Saturday morning. We appreciate your time and best, best of luck in the future. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Davis Thompson, uh, PGA Tour Pro now, UGA grad. And coming up, we've got a former PGA Tour caddy for Matt Kuchar and now NBC announcer all the way from California. Thanks for getting up. It'll be John Wood coming up next on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Hi, this is John O'Hurley, Jay Peterman, and you are listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. Our next guest is John Wood. John is a former PGA Tour caddy for Matt Kuchar and some others, now an announcer for NBC. Good morning, John. How are you? I'm great, Rich. How are you? Okay. Probably need to turn up your mic a little bit. All right. Let's try this. Just that so we better? can. Yeah, it's better. Yeah. You... Okay. I got to ask you, how do you like announcing compared to caddying it's got to be better on your shoulders but do you like it more definitely better on my shoulders and my back um i loved caddying it was it was i was so lucky to do it for so long for some great players um but i love this job as well it's hard to pick right now um right now i'm really enjoying this and i'm glad i made the move but uh, gosh both jobs are fantastic so how was it not caddying, but announcing during the FedEx playoffs. I mean, pretty exciting to see Tony Finau win. Cantley just overpowered golf courses and just was more steady than I thought he could be. Boy, it was one of the most exciting playoffs I can remember. And um, Halfway through the BMW, I remember ta ta seeing Tommy Roy, the, the producer, and say, man, this time of year, I was usually super stressed trying to make the finals, trying to be a captain's pick for a team. This is a lot more fun. So uh, I miss the competition being inside the ropes. There's nothing like that. But uh, being on the outside and not feeling so much stress and just getting the call what you see was uh, was a lot of fun, too. Well, from a viewer standpoint and a listener standpoint, yours and Bones perspectives on the game and on what is going on to me is is incredible and it, it just can't be matched. I mean, I love the insight that y'all have because you know what's going through their minds while they're playing and what they're trying to do. I appreciate you saying that. That was Tommy Roy's initial thought when he had Bones and I do it a few years ago, um, that we might have a unique perspective on things and, and you know, hopefully we're, we're being ourselves out there enough and not trying to copy anybody else where we're talking like we would as a caddy. And here's what 
is going into this decision. Here's what the, the gamble is. Here's what the risk is. Um, and hopefully that comes through on the air. I know that's what we're trying to do. Um, and hopefully it's coming through. All right. We've got a Ryder Cup team coming up and you guys are going to be able to cover it. Um, what do you think about, I was kind of surprised by Stricker's choices. Um, he kind of went young and kind of went with some of the young guns. I thought he might bring in a veteran like Simpson um, and he excluded Patrick Reed. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I don't think he had any bad decisions to make. He had a, a good list of players um, and he had to come up with his own reasons as the captain because he's the one who's ultimately responsible for making those choices. Right. Um, I think Patrick Reed, the only thing that held Patrick Reed back was the body of work. He hasn't played much lately. You don't know how he's playing. I think he'll be healthy by the Ryder Cup, but you just don't know. So um, as good as Patrick's been in Ryder Cups, maybe a bit of a risky pick. Um, I thought Na might get a good look just because he was so hot. Right. Um, and those short games and putting um, are invaluable in Ryder Cups. Um, they just, you can't put a price tag on them. That being said, I think the two that he took, Berger and Scheffler, um, fit the course extremely well. They're, they're both great guys, fun guys to be around. Okay. Um, and if you've been in those team rooms, you can't put a price tag on that either because um, those guys will be loose. They'll be fun. They're easy to talk to. You compare them with anybody, which is huge. Um, so like I said, I don't think he had any bad picks to be made, um, and he had to come up with his own reasons. And I think matching the course and partnership was more important than maybe um, you know experience in a Ryder Cup. Well, I read somewhere that Patrick Reed's comments at the last Ryder Cup, I mean, kind of talking down to some of the players, partners that he had, or the picks that he was, I mean, team-wise that he was put up against, may have hurt, may have come into the decision. Do you think that was true, or do you think it was totally because Stricker really didn't know what they could expect from him? It's possible. If it was, I would guess it was a small percentage, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, I think everybody on that team, if you would have said, we're going to take Patrick and he's, he'll go 5-0, and everybody would have taken him. You know, I don't think anybody cares too much about their, you know, their egos or anything. If, 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 they, thought, if, if they thought Patrick Reed was going to play best, they would have taken him. They yeah. just, at, the, at the time, I think it was a small sample size for him. What impressed you most about Patrick Cantley's play over the last uh, three playoffs and especially the BMW and the Tour Championship? I mean, he was steady Eddie. Is it a cop-out to say everything? <laughs> um, <laughs> no. Because it, it, it truly was everything. Yeah. And I got, I got a good look at Patrick at the President's Cup in Australia at Royal Melbourne. And I didn't know a whole heck of a lot about him other than he, he played some good golf. But, man, watching him down there, how hard he works, how ultra-focused he can get. Um, some guys get really focused and it almost takes takes them out of their game. They get so tight and wound up. Patrick has this ultimate, really fine focus that he gets into. And you can almost go up and talk to him and he won't remember it. He gets so focused. So the physical game was unbelievable. His putting was probably the best I've ever seen. Yeah. It. But his focus and intensity out there, um, it's, it's very reminiscent of Tiger. I'm not saying the physical game's the same, but he gets inside this bubble that you can see and other than his caddy, I don't think he hears or notices anything out there. So um, I, I think the world of Patrick Patrick Cantley and his game. Yeah, I was very impressed with the driver six iron into the 18th mm -hmm. green, knowing that $15 million was on the line. And it just stepped up like he'd done it every day. And 
I'm, I'm sure experience was in his back pocket and he just kind of went up and just said, I got to hit a six iron. This is the distance and I'm just going to try and hit it in the, in the middle of the green. No question about it. That was super impressive. And the whole playoff against Bryson was incredibly impressive to me because um, that showed me something in match play. You're only, off the tee on almost every hole, you're at a huge disadvantage. And he kept fighting and fighting and staying in there until he got his one opportunity and he cashed it in. So, um, yeah, everything he did in the playoffs was was impressive to me. Yeah, and Bryson kind of uh, showed uh, quite a bit of emotion during the playoffs. I mean, there were at least three to four putts that I really believe, based on his uh, face <laughs> and his body language, that he thought he, he made and he was done. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, he had he had a few chances there, you know, to get it in after Patrick had missed, um, and just you know skirted the edges on all of them. But yeah, there was that's uh, a big deal, you know, go, going going into the finals first, you kind of control your own destiny. So I'm sure he was looking not only for the win, but to position himself um, at East Lake as the, the front runner going in with that two shot lead. What do you think? John Rahm had a fantastic year. John's had a, a great couple of years. And I think it's when he got married, he kind of settled down. When he had a child, he kind of settled down. And, you know, you're, you're kind of focused. You become Tiger even changed after having kids. Um, your, your mental state, your, your, your inside, your heart kind of changes a little bit. And I think it's really helped his game because it's hold, held his emotions down. That, that's a great, great uh observe observation you made there i think it's very true when he came out he was a little bit immature um wore his emotions on his sleeve yeah. kind of got too fired up let, let things get to him um now i couldn't agree more he and adam hayes his caddy are so calm out there he doesn't get flustered like he used to it just accepts what what happens and moves on and and trusts that his talent will take him you know where he wants to go and I think that's, you know, the next step in Bryson's game, I think, is finding some of that maturity and accepting when something goes wrong. But, uh, boy, John Rahm, he is going to be top three in the world for a long, long, long time. He is unbelievably talented. Yeah, he really is. He and I have the same backswing, but we don't have the same follow-through. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, you've caddied on the tour. You've caddied for some great players. Uh, Hunter Mahon, you... He had some great years. I know he's fighting to come back. Uh, but you were with Matt Kuchar, who lives here for five years. What happened between you and Matt? I kind of read some stuff that said it was your decision to kind of walk away. You know, nothing happened. Matt and I, we spoke last night for a half hour probably. We're still really good friends. Um, it just got to the point where I kind of thought this opportunity in television might be open for me. And, you know, I've been caddying for 24 years, still loved it and, and you know, adore Matt and his whole family. They're, they're just the best people. Uh, but I was just ready for a change. And I this opportunity came up and I thought, well, what if it's not here in three, four, five years down the road when I am ready to finish caddying? Uh -huh. um, so this opportunity was here and um, I just felt like it was time for me to, to, to make a change and try it. Tough decision, though, 24 years caddying. I mean, you did well with several players, and here you are with Kucher, who's, you know, one of the top golfers and has always come through. I've always been impressed when you don't think Matt's there, all of a sudden, whoop, he's there. Sure. Um, just a great guy, great family guy, and it had to be a tough decision for you. It was. It was something I really wrestled with. Um, it came down to, you know, I was, I still loved caddying uh, Thursday through Sunday. Um, I still worked as hard 
Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday as I ever had, I just wasn't enjoying it like I was. It felt like more of a task. Um, and I'd never felt that before, Caddy, and the preparation. I always loved it. And I just, it got to the point where I, 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 my mind was wandering and I could tell I needed to try something else. It was a totally personal decision. It had nothing to do with Matt, how he was playing or anything. It was just, I needed to do something else. And, um, and, and I had an opportunity, so I took it. So what I hear you saying from what you, was that if my mind wanders, I need to find something else to do? <laughs> <laughs> No, I think in your job, a wandering mind is a plus. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> hey, John, we got to take a break. We'll be back with John Wood, uh, NBC announcer, doing a great job. We'll be back in just a moment on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. Stay with us. I am Kyle Thompson. I played professional golf for 18 years, and you're listening to the Back Nine Boys Golf Show. And welcome back. I'm Rich Stiles. We're on the phone with uh, John Wood, former PGA Tour caddy, one for Matt Kuchar, now an announcer for NBC. John, we were talking earlier with Davis Thompson, a rookie on the PGA Tour, played at UGA, got a great future ahead of him, uh, and he's searching for a caddy. What are some of the things that you would recommend for him to do in trying to secure a caddy for the upcoming season? That's a, that's a great question, and there, there's kind of two ways to go about it. Um, one, you can find a tour caddy who knows the courses, um, who I think there would be a long line of guys looking to work for him just because he's got such a good reputation, um, great player, good guy, um, and, and someone who knows the courses but really doesn't know you. So he's going to have to take time to learn you. You're going to have to learn him and take the time together to figure out each other's personalities. That's just important, just as important as course knowledge. The other way, and probably the more popular way to go about it these days, is to bring you know a brother or a college teammate out. Yeah. Let them learn how to caddy. The fact that they know you already and know what buttons to push, hopefully, um, you know, is, is huge. So there's two ways to go about it. Um, there's a lot of good tour caddies out there, but there's there's something to be said for knowing a guy already and, and knowing his game, knowing his personality, and you can learn the courses together. So, um, you know, if there's somebody like that, a teammate who isn't going to turn pro or, or a brother who played a lot of golf with them, you know, it might be the best way to start, to be honest with you. Yeah, I put my name in it. I haven't heard back yet. Um, hey, is Bryson good for golf? I mean, there's so much controversy. The Brooks thing, I mean, I don't know if that was for the PIP money or whatever, but um, they've got to settle that down for the Ryder Cup. But is Bryson good for golf? I think he is. I think he brings eyes to the screen that wouldn't necessarily be there. Um, uh, so I think he's a, a ratings grabber for sure. Um, are there some things I think he needs to work on? Absolutely. And I think he'd admit to that as well. Um, but I think in, in terms of um, doing things differently and bringing excitement to the golf course, that's what he's doing right now. Yeah. And anytime somebody can do that, um, it's a good thing. And I think it's good to examine for other players to look at themselves and go, wow, look at what he's doing. Look what everything is different. Um, is there anything I can incorporate into my game? You know, and I'm sure young players are watching that thinking, okay, here's thing, some things I can incorporate. I'm not going to do everything, but there's some things, you know, in terms of speed training and, and things like that right. that maybe I can incorporate. So, yeah, I think he is good for the game. Okay. You've had the honor of caddying in two Ryder Cups, uh, one no, with Hunter. Six Ryder Cups. That's what I said, with six <laughs> Ryder Cups. Uh, one with Hunter, I know, and some others, but you also caddied for Matt. What's it like to caddy? in a Ryder Cup? It's, it's the greatest, the best thing we ever get to do, for me by far. Um, I would have, 
I would have paid them to let me caddy in Ryder Cups. Oh, wow. Uh, my, my dream was to work one when I started caddying, and that was, uh, you know, Mark Kalkovecchia asked me in 02 to work for him. Uh, that was my first Ryder Cup. I've been lucky enough to caddy in six and be an assistant in another one, and there's just nothing like it. Um, and the reason why is all year long, it's basically you and your player out there. Um, it's a, such an individual sport. Um, it can be lonely at times. But when you get on those teams, it's all of a sudden you're 12-year-old playing Little League, Little League Baseball again. Mm -hmm. um, you're responsible for other guys. They're responsible for you. You're picking each other up. You're rooting for each other. Um, I think I'm probably one of the five people in the world who can say, I got Tiger Woods to go hand me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich one time. <laughs> so, um, that kind of everybody pulling on one rope for, for one week out of the year, um, it, it's just thrilling and um Justin Thomas came up to me at the tour championship and it was funny. He looked at me and said, uh, buddy, you're going to get thrown off the air at the Ryder cup for, for rooting for the Americans and being a little too boisterous. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to be impartial and, and call it as I see it. But he goes, you got no chance. Yeah, that's so, right. No uh, chance. Best, no chance. Best event we have. All right. Another big event, Matt in the Olympics. Mm. Cool. Well, I, that was, uh, I wish I could talk to everybody who's, who decides to skip the Olympics because when we went, um, I wasn't 100% sure. It was a tremendously busy, packed summer. Yep. Uh, we had the Ryder Cup coming up. We had playoffs coming up. And, you know, I kind of said, you know, Matt, are you sure about this? And thankfully, Matt, you know, was 100% the second he qualified. And from the second I got there, I thought, wow, what a, what a great decision. Because, um, you know, you don't get that opportunity to be, be a part of the Olympic Games. Is You know, it's a dream come true from the inside. So... Um, once you got there, you felt how much bigger it was than a regular tour event. Um, and they didn't get this chance in Tokyo, but luckily we did in Rio, where every every day when we finished practice or playing, it was like, all right, where are we going? Swimming, <laughs> basketball, you know, badminton, right, right. table tennis, anything. Um, it was thrilling. And, and, you know, what I told somebody who was asking me about it, I said, you know, these guys are so good. They got every four years, they have 16 chances to win a major. Yeah. Every four years. Yeah you might have one chance in your life to win an Olympic medal. Right. I mean, so I, I, guys that skip it, I think they really need to think twice about it. And I think this year it kind of turned the corner and everybody's yeah. uh, hyped on it now. All right. Speaking of hype, USA or Europe in the Ryder Cup? I know you won't be partial now. I mean, you can be partial now. I know you can't in two weeks. <laughs> Uh, you know, I think I, I want a really close Ryder Cup. I think those ones at 16 and a half to 11 and a half or 17 to 11, I think those aren't quite what we want. I want something 14 and a half, 13 and a half right there. Right. Um, I have great friends on both teams. Obviously, my allegiance, prob allegiance will definitely lie with, with the American team. But, uh, you know, I'm going to call it like I see it. If, if guys make great shots, I'm going to call great shots. If they, if they mess something up, I'm going to say they mess something up. Gotcha. But, um, you know, obviously I'll be rooting for the Americans a little bit, but uh, I just want a really tight Ryder Cup. All right, got about 30 seconds. What was your favorite stop on the PGA Tour when you were caddying? Oh, boy, what a good question. Um, I'm a California guy, and I loved Monterey and Carmel. Yeah. And, uh, just being in that area, I love that kind of cool, crisp weather. Um, I love the fact there's three different courses, and anytime you get to walk around Pebble Beach a few times a week, yep. tough to beat that. Yep, Masters is not bad either. Masters is, is on a different plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would be too. John, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Hope we can call on you again. And uh, good luck at the Ryder Cup. Anytime, Rich. Thanks very much. Try and stay impartial. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs>
All right, thank you very much. John Thanks, Wood, man. now an NBC announcer, former caddy for Matt Kuchar and several others. And we want to thank you for being with us on the Back Nine Boys Golf Show, heard every Saturday and Sunday right here on ESPN Coastal. Check us out on all the podcast platforms that you have, and check us out always at ESPNCoastal.com. I'm Rich Stiles, and thanks to P.J. Zuko, my producer.